0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating,
1: time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing
0: field. Welcome to the famous Sloping Pitch. In a week where Bernardos have revealed some of the unusual items donated to them over the last year, including false teeth, a lamb castrating tool, an umbilical cord and a slice of pizza. We're fairly confident that we can move them on, said a spokesman, but we're having a lot of trouble shifting Ross Barkley and Danny Drinkwater.
1: (laughs) Hey, there we are. (laughs) <laughs> it was also a week in which the PFA has decided not to publish results of a highly critical independent review of the Players' Union, which, among other things, accuses it of acting without transparency and accountability. And you can see why they wouldn't want that coming out, couldn't you? <laughs> but it worked for Sepp Blatter, didn't it? Getting FIFA to investigate it itself and then suppressing the results. Just not forever. No. One day you think you're getting away scot-free, next you're heading into the back of a Swiss police car with a blanket over your head.
0: A spate of cancellations has caused confusion in the Premier League, where Norwich had been given a stay of execution from the the team that's bottom at Christmas usually goes down cliche. The Premier (laughs) League have now put the date back to January the 14th, which means that the team that's bottom at the Feast of the Ass, a celebration of all the donkeys in the Bible, are likely to get relegated. (laughs)
1: Very good. Uh, Roman Abramovich, did you see this has applied for Portuguese citizenship to go with the Russian and Israeli passports he already has apparently if he gets a whole World Cup group he wins FIFA (laughs) the (laughs) the billionaire version and with their squad ravaged by Covid Leeds, did you see this named 15 year old Archie Gray on the bench son of Andy, grandson of Frankie great nephew of Eddie Yes. feel old at all?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know that I, is right.
1: I almost started creaking just listening to that. <laughs> but anyway, and Jamie Vardy, did you see there uh, just last night was referred to as Jeremy Vardy by the commentator on last night's League Cup game, much to the amusement of Jeremy Carragher. <laughs> Anyway, before we cry, God bless us, everyone, and tuck into the finest goose in all of old London town with all the trimmings, because nobody wants just some of the trimmings, do they? By which I mean, of course, the Premier League. Let us first microwave the turkey-style one-person trimming-free ready meal that is the very bottom of the EFL. No game for Oldham last week on account of the Covid, so we're still basking in the notoriety of our 5-all draw with table-topping Forest Green Rovers last time out, not knowing whether our game of the season, God help us, against Scunthorpe United will go ahead on Boxing Day. It's what they like to call a six-pointer, but the sort of form Oldham and Scunthorpe are in, if both teams could take no points, then they would. They're much like a pair of UK Eurovision entrants, like Gemini, locked together in a death spiral of despair. Without the distraction of a football match to either watch or boycott, relations between the Oldham fans and the much-reviled clown troupe that owns the club have deteriorated still further. You'd think they'd still be getting, they'd be getting bookings this time of year, wouldn't you? And that would keep them occupied. A lot of clowns, you know, diversify into Santa work and panto this time of year. But no, our chumps are laser-focused on making themselves as popular as that clown that hides in the sewer in Stephen King's It. In other words... <laughs> as popular as any clown. (laughs) So this week, instead of making balloon animals and minding their own fucking business, the Oldham clowns sent letters to three of their most vocal critics on social media informing them that they were banned from attending Oldham games home and away for the next three years. The letter from the new general manager, Stephen Brown, to the fans in question said, I've been asked by the board of directors to review actions of individuals that we feel are deliberately geared to harm and cause distress to the club, its fans and stakeholders. You have regularly displayed your desire." to promote your dislike of Oldham Athletic Football Club, its management and its progression for some reason, and you're influencing others to do the same. Now, these three fans, they're all season ticket holders. They go to games, home and away. Bradley Knowles is an elected director of the Oldham Athletic Supporters' Federation. One thing you can't accuse them of is disliking Oldham Football Club. Uh. They dislike you. (laughs) That's what it is. I mean, they're besotted with the club and justifiably alarmed at the way it's being run. But none of them have been involved in anything criminal that could justify banning them. it's just it's all gone a bit pyongyang it's all it, gone a bit well, cancel culture
0: it has and then when i hear your doorbell guy in the background i think that's them coming for you <laughs> yeah that's maybe there. maybe that
1: maybe the letters arrived
0: yeah, yeah. maybe it's yeah. Good, somebody's going to turn up and say yes i am your hairdresser for today but actually just stabs you in the neck
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway apart from anything else the, the general manager of oldham athletic doesn't have the power to ban anyone from any away grants it's just blustering nonsense. He claims to be acting at the behest of the Board of, the di- of Directors, but at least one of them has already resigned over this. And this fellow, Stephen Brown, he's new. He's new at Oldham. It turns out he worked at Blackpool under the Oystons. That's on his CV. <laughs> <laughs> and they used to regularly threaten their club supporters with legal action over their many protests. And there have been protests at Oldham this season. A tennis ball one, the one where some blokes dressed up as clowns in the Grim Reaper and delivered a coffin to the club, which charming. A pack-the-park protest and Empty the park protest, but nothing illegal. So this is completely out of order as well as being completely sort of unenforceable. And the owner has has previous as well, responding stupidly to Chris to criticism, took tickets off sale for the Hartlepool game, made other matches, away matches, all tickets. How how we managed to do that, I don't know. Banned flags and banners, stopped serving beer to punish the fans of his own club for, you know, thought crime. I don't know. But there's a there's now a petition. Free the old <laughs> athletic three. Um <laughs> to, you know, go and go and watch the games. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Abdallah, the owner, got a new one writ for him on TalkSport yesterday by Jim White and Simon Jordan. Uh, but it's just a massive own goal, isn't but it? This, yes, it you know, is. probably I'm... more diving header of an own goal.
0: Yes, right. yes. Or indeed, uh, uh, McMullen, was it? For, uh, McMullen for, for Dundee in the week. Fantastic. Yes, in the week. Oh, That's right, what a right. fantastic diving header of a goal that was. And also yeah. your gift... To the rest of us, because Chris, you know, we can't really complain all that much, no matter what a shitstorm (laughs) our club's in. When we hear this fantastic, Ted, this almost Tolkien-esque tale of what's happening at Boundary Park. Oh, exactly. Well, happy Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's my
1: gift to you. (laughs) I I should—I'd have wrapped it, except I've been busy. Anyway. So to odds to Christmas, I mean, Premier League clubs this week didn't so much vote to play the Boxing Day fixtures as just not get to a place where they were going to have a vote of any kind not to. So we're not going to have a circuit break or a firewall or whatever they're calling it because of the all-games-televised thing. Boxing Day is Amazon's big day, isn't it? Uh, coming right after their other big day it's all about... It's hard not to think of Jeff Bezos at this time of year, isn't it? I mean, especially with all the talk of elves.
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it strikes me, the whole, I mean, the COVID thing is, is, it sort of permeates everything at the moment, but it strikes me there are are two, there are kind of two separate bits, which are, will matches be cancelled and are the, Are the players at risk and are the fans at risk? And then we're actually quite sure. So if you know if games are off, you know that that saves that helps the players, and if they're played behind closed doors, that helps the fans. So what it seems they've decided is to do a mix of both and not really help anybody.
1: it's different in different parts of the country, isn't it? I mean, in England, apparently, it's still all right to go to games as long as you're outdoors, you have wine and cheese and you bring a baby, apparently. Yeah,
0: yes, absolutely. But in
1: other parts of the country, it's a little bit less cheerful. I mean, Scotland are bringing in this maximum of 500 with one metre distancing. I don't know how they're going to do that. It would have affected the Derby games, the Rangers Celtic and the Dundee Derby and the Hearts-Hibs over the new year, but they've brought forward, their, cunningly, their winter break, which means postponing these games until after the restrictions. Nicola Sturgeon also trying to cancel hot. Hogmanay, apparently, so good luck with that. (laughs) Saying, you know, if everyone could just be sensible and sober, that would be fan dabby but anyway <laughs> well in, in Wales uh, the games uh, are taking place behind closed doors and those are e- those are EFL games you know Swansea, Cardiff and Newport yeah. um, there's been some concern hasn't there that sly Welsh people will nip over the border just to go to a game but they di- don't understand football supporters at all do they they'll oh, no the Cardiff game's off uh, hang on a minute I'll just go to Cheltenham Plymouth
0: yeah <laughs> but what I, what I find interesting we talked to this about UEFA and, and, and FIFA before you know the football family the football family let's come to together and work together and you've got you know uh, the uh, the Premier League are meeting with their managers today, but the EFL aren't invited. The EFL are, I've got trouble with the Welsh FA because some of the teams in uh, the Welsh FA play in the EFL. You've got yeah. the PFA. Well, not saying anything at all, obviously. Uh, you've got players complaining that they're not being looked after, right? You know, and people talk about the spirit of the Blitz, and this is the spirit of the Blitz, but it's the spirit of the Blitz between Great Britain and Germany. It's not the <laughs> spirit of the blitz between people on the same side that's the trouble
1: well i mean it's interesting that uh to talk about how it's going in europe as well because one of the big th- ways in which uh, english football isn't helping itself is by allowing players to get away with not being vaccinated yes. so all the all, all the you know oh it's a personal choice oh it's this that and the other you know but um you look at europe's top five leagues in the in the Bundesliga, ninety four percent of the players are vaccinated, and, and the ones that aren't are like are ostracised. Bayern Munich aren't paying them you know um yeah. in Syria, are uh, 98% of players vaccinated yeah. fully vaccinated in 93%, La league in 93
0: yeah, yeah. and
1: league 1 95 but in the premier league it's only 77% and in yeah. the efl it's only 59% yeah. and this translates to you know matches postponed, matches per spend because uh, the, the squads are, are are strapped by this yes. and they and you know they shouldn't be they shouldn't be they've got themselves they've dug themselves into into oh, and what's going to happen is you know unvaccinated players are going to find themselves well, they're going to find themselves uh, kept apart from from the vaccinated players. They're going to find themselves, you know, uh, hard it uh, hard to get transfers in January because other managers aren't going to want to bring them in. Of course, they're not. Well, uh, um, yeah,
0: and and it's the lack of transparency as well, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to yeah. know the individuals. Okay, that's that's a matter of uh, of you know of, of, of privacy, but you mm. do want to know uh, the, the figures a little bit more accurately because the other thing is they'll be cl- just as they do with gates or used. They'll be claiming yeah. one or two more probably yeah. uh, in order to get games off and things like that. Well,
1: no, they are doing. It. I mean, Tuchel is a is a prime example, isn't it? Thomas Tuchel, his, his relentless bloody bleating has been going on for days about trying to get the game against Wolves called off because they had four players down with COVID, yeah. even though they've got the strongest squad in the fucking country. And yeah. one of the players with COVID was Ben Chilwell, who's out until the end of the season. You know, so uh, hard luck, Ben. Yeah. But you know, it's not like it's not well, like significantly
0: weakening their no. their uh, squad. No. And it does happen. You know, Gordon Banks got uh, food poisoning in Mexico, you know. It were last to yeah, He did a, Well, the, uh,
1: yeah, but the, the Germans
2: did that.
0: Right? Well, we the don't know. Do we? we don't yeah, know. Yeah. Let's yeah. not say that. Now, are, you know me, I am relentlessly positive, and I think I have come up with an answer that will please Excellent. fans, teams, and... Just the world in general. So, well, will it please me? Yeah, yeah uh, it might please you actually. So, <laughs> you've t- you, you probably seen because, funny enough, COVID actually affects people beyond uh, football. Um, oh, does it? I'm not counting you because you are within the, the football family. So. <laughs> oh, <God>. in- <laughs> In schools, I okay. don't <laughs> sco- No, in schools, they're encouraging teachers who've retired to come back and take the places of teachers who've got COVID. So, oh. why can't the football teams do the same? Football teams do the same, yeah, yeah, Wouldn't you pay, I would pay, to go to Stoke if the squad suddenly included Ricardo Fuller again, okay? <laughs> or, or, or say at Newcastle, Les Ferdinand suddenly came back. Yeah, it would yeah. be brilliant. If they were just a, it doesn't matter if they're rubbish, does it? It would just be great it, it, it really to doesn't... see them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, Oh,
1: that's a very good idea. I mean, you know, the the last thing on the on the COVID is the the worry that um, you know, games are going, to, are going to inevitably, in the next week or two, start being played uh, to empty stadiums, aren't they? Yeah. But Mikel Arteta had a very clear message, apparently, about uh, further possible restrictions. He said, "This is the voice of the Misterons. You will not return <laughs> to playing behind closed doors." <laughs> and apparently.
0: just a quick word on the PFA it was very funny because uh, they're suffering from, or suffering from choosing to uh, have elective mutism. As far as I can tell, they say nothing about uh-huh. anything at all. Jordan um, Henderson then says players aren't being looked after their welfare isn't being looked after at all. Yes. Which sounds a bit like their job PFA. And it then the, PFA, like that. So yeah. the yeah, the PFA uh, Mahata Malonga, who's the new chairman of the PFA um, released a public statement uh, referring to what Jordan Henderson said and basically his public statement said, yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> that thing he said. Well, and doesn't it raise the question Chris I'm going to ask this. Yeah. Just putting it out there, just maybe an independent regulator could help. And I'll leave it there. I will leave it there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's 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 an interesting thought. I mean, we, uh, we want to move on, but just just very quickly to uh, the return of this, uh, into the headlines of this Socios thing that we spoke oh, about a yes. few weeks ago, the cryptocurrency-based so-called fan tokens, in the news again this week, um, yeah. because two postings by Arsenal on its website and in, on, on Facebook apparently broke advertising rules for failing to illustrate the risk of the investment, yep. and the website page said, dollar sign, AFC, fan token, everything, you need to know. Uh, that dollar sign ought to be a red flag, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, apparently, it didn't contain everything you need to know. Yeah. And their Facebook post said, dollar sign AFC is now live. What song do you want to hear when we win? Now, that sort of thing wouldn't take long, I don't think, at all. And we just whack on the road to nowhere and have done with it. <laughs> it's, what the club failed to do was make clear that these Socios tokens are uh, crypto assets. Yes. I mean, you can only get one by investing in a cryptocurrency that is run by the company that make these socios things. And the things themselves are tradable as a crypto asset. And not that, I don't think, um, football supporters are particularly interested in in buying things uh, with their club badge on to to trade They'll, they want to have them they want to get you know I mean, yeah. football supporters will buy a dog turd if it has the club badge on it absolutely they? Um, and there's so an idea f- for
0: Arsenal if they're, if they're interested to do uh, yeah
1: it. well we're going to get into merch aren't we next year we're there. Yeah. so you know maybe we'll just stamp the, uh, yeah, the famous but, I mean, I mean, bitch it, on the it, side of a
0: <laughs> just to be clear for anybody yeah, anybody who didn't see I mean it was a really damning report you know they were, yeah. they were branded irresponsible misleading Deliberately vague. I mean, this was mm. this is hard, hard stuff. But the other thing, the one thing that I don't suppose it's up to the Advertising Standards Authority to talk about. The other thing, yes, they were responsible for misleading and vague. But the other thing is, it's a really, really shit offer. You oh, know? it's terrible! It's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But you can you, you can be one of the thirty thousand people to vote on a new name for the car park. Is the sort of fuck thing crying it is. out loud. Um, I mean, honestly. I think
1: that the, the secret thing, that, you know, the everything you need to know about Socios is that it's it's for trading with by cryptocurrency traders who know what the fuck they're doing. And the point is, in order for them to make a shitload of money a shitload of people have to lose smaller amounts of money right. and so uh, that what they've seen is football supporters are marks basically who can be who can be easily persuaded to buy these things because they have the club's name on and then these figures make money driving the value up or down or, and then you know in Gambling on whether it's going to go up and down, knowing that it is. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all I mean, deeply, deeply exploitative and reprehensible. And,
0: and but on a wider, a wider thing, from my point of view, I just I don't understand. I don't un- conceptually have any idea of these things that don't exist, but people buy, like art, yeah. and you can buy tra- ah. you can buy trainers that don't exist. That, that sort of thing it, it drives ah. ah. me mad. And brilliantly, Man City suspended their partnership with three key tech, a cryptocurrency uh, company, after research suggested. That five people named as company execs appeared not to exist. And you think <laughs> that's exactly what company execs well, no, are doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're it's, crypto execs yeah. is what and, they are. And I'm really all this <laughs> stuff, I've just been I keep coming back into my head all the time when I'm driving along is um as I was walking down the stair, I saw a man who wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't there again today. I really wish he'd go away. It's yeah,
1: just that's quite so, yeah. baffling, isn't it? It's
0: baffling. <laughs> and I wonder if this is the sort of thing that an independent regulator might help with.
1: <laughs> dependent regulator might be able to help with yeah yeah it's a thought Maybe we yeah. should pass that on. Yeah. Anyway, the story last weekend, and the weekend before, really, when five games were decided by penalty calls, is about um, refereeing. And you know how much they hate being the centre of attention the referees. Oh, they hate that, don't <laughs> they? I mean, but Alan Shearer was particularly strident on Match of the Day, unlike him, um, describing the current standard as completely unacceptable. And there's a, there's a tendency, I think, to criticise referees under the rather glib umbrella of consistency, by just saying, well, all we want is consistency, you know. But I'm starting to wonder. Whether the referees themselves are, are modifying their attitude to the VAR now, both the referees on the pitch and the one and they're referees at Stockley Park. You know, they're just they're the same people, the same sort of people. They're the people who were refereeing the game yesterday, are doing the VAR. So it's the same mindset. And you look at the two penalty incidents involving Manchester City in the last couple of games. The penalty they weren't given against Wolves. They they were given, rather, against Wolves, where replay after replay seemed to suggest it hit him on the back or on the rib and hadn't hit his arm at all. Uh, But despite what everyone else seemed to be seeing, and everyone describing the game afterwards seemed to have seen, the VAR refused to overturn that one. And then there was a penalty turned down in City's game against Newcastle where Ryan Fraser was running through and Cancelo nicked the ball away from him. And the goalkeeper, Edison, wiped Fraser out. Just Just wiped him out. Clear penalty all day long, but some nonsense spouted afterwards about how Fraser had lost the ball, but blah, he was still absolutely bloody flattened, and it's plain to see on the replay. Now, the VAR, the whole purpose of the VAR, is supposed to deal with matters of fact, where the on-pitch referee has missed something that is clearly visible to the television replay and, and supposedly clearly visible to everybody else at home as well. Yeah. And it seems to me now that there are more and more interpretations creeping into in that mimic the capriciousness of decisions that you see you've seen for years from the weirdos who referee games on the pitch you know it's the same blokes they're just indoors yeah. So, you know, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that if they're seeing the game through their own particular prism, differently to every other human I, I... being on the planet Earth. Yes. The, the other um, egregious sort of example is the Spurs-Liverpool game, which brings in another thing, refereed by Paul Tierney, two incidents where Kane, Kane should have been sent off and there should have been a penalty for Jota. And neither of these seem to be the sort of incident that divides opinion, except insofar as everybody thought it was a red card, everybody thought it was a penalty, except for the referee and the VAR guy. Yeah. And um, although, you know, we didn't even hear from him, so it wasn't clear if he was even watching. He might have gone for a dump. Yeah. But these these seem to me to represent a new level of dissatisfaction with the refereeing standards, even more so than in the days before VAR, where managers would get exasperated by the blinkered and the incompetent. But in the end, you have to shrug and, they, well, they're just blokes. What can you do? Yeah. If you didn't see it, you didn't see it. But now we know that they did see it you know and jürgen klopp says he didn't have a problem with any referees except this one who seems to have it in for him and that's what it bloody looked like yeah. it looked like this and, guy had it in and booked him for complaining about yeah. it
0: and what and what did the, and what did the premier league do they appointed paul Turney to be the var referee for liverpool's next match Ay, 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 ay yeah 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 Yeah. Way to go to defuse that problem. Absolutely. Well, brilliant. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I, I, I think maybe that's what an independent regulator. Uh, well, this is the
0: know. sort of thing an independent regulator could help with. I was rather pleased you to talk about referees not being camera shy. Uh, retired referees, even less so. Uh, Mark Luttenberg yes. waded, waded in on it. Did you see he that? He did, didn't he? Oh, uh, yes, he did. That was quite interesting because he's now the head of refereeing in Greece, which I, I'm not sure if that's a promotion or not. But he um, they have audio out there, like they do in the rugby here, where you... You can yeah. hear the conversation between the uh, between the um, uh, people at uh, at uh, Bletchley Park, as I like to think of it, um, <laughs> and, and the referees, which seems to me a, a pretty good idea. But also, I would say that uh, you know, if you want to see ship refereeing, try coming to the AFL because there's some really well, yeah. terrible refereeing there. I've got a photograph on my phone of a penalty a penalty not given <laughs> with a Joe Allen striking the ball and two Birmingham defenders both having two hands on the ball as it pushed away. So I there you go. Said. And again, maybe, as I say, an independent regulator is the way to go with that.
1: Well, maybe so- it is. And, you know, it's, I think it's a shame that VAR has uh, has been touted, you know, as an absolute arbiter of indisputable facts. And it's become subject to the same uh, capriciousness and volatility and the irrationality and frailty as man, you know, the greatest predator of all. <laughs> the of all God's creatures he kills for sport, you know. But anyway, let's move on to uh, another Manchester City thing, actually. This is Manchester City's England starlets, Grealish and Foden, who were dropped after a night out celebrating their team's 7-0 win over Leeds when they turned up for training the next day in what's described as a poor condition. (laughs) <laughs> um, a day, and it was a day when Guardiola was in Barcelona, wasn't it, at an event paying tribute to the retiring Sergio, Sergio Aguero. Aguero yeah, yeah, but yeah. obviously he got to hear about it, obviously. Yeah. I mean, these lads let people take selfies with them, perhaps thinking that there was no way those are ever going to end up on anything, no, no, on Instagram or anything, they? which uh, Mark Lawrenson obviously described as naive. I mean, he describes everything as naive. And so yeah. does Germain Genus. He thinks we won't notice. Which is naive. <laughs> but um, Grealish has previous, of course, photographed out during lockdown with non matching footwear, wasn't he, that time? Yeah, I don't Looking, can, looking I, completely I, I, wasted. I can,
0: I can see how, how that would mean that he was wasted. I can't re- really see how it happened. That's the only
1: thing. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, Grealish is a, he's an odd one, is it? He? He's like one set of fake breasts away from being called Grazza.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he, yes, he absolutely is. And the only place I could think was if he'd gone to piss up in a mosque where you have to take your shoes off. And then when uh, he yeah. come out. And then I used to say, from our generation's point of view, this is very low-level bad behaviour. Oh, isn't uh, at it? At Christmas time. I mean, I can think of at least two players who've stolen a bus. Uh, <laughs> and I am fairly sure you'll you'll know who those are. I think. Brian, was one
1: the driver and one the conductor.
0: No, 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 two. two separate players, two. Um, two separate two two buses. Separate buses on separate occasions. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Brian wow. Laws being one of them. I'm fairly sure he was a uh, Joey Barton, to go back to Man City, stubbed a cigar out in a youth player's eye. Uh, yes. on, on a christmas do uh, and vinnie jones organized the 1994 chelsea christmas <laughs> stew with the dwarf throwing competition uh, if I, I if i remember rightly
1: um, Well, there was a time wasn't there when when boozy get-togethers were indulged you know by managers as, as like bonding exercises as release yeah. valves you know yeah. i mean I, I read um recently i think i've mentioned before very good very good but i'm very much the target audience of the uh, the book about oldham's 89 90 1991 yeah, yeah. that team and they were entirely fueled by beer entirely they had a they had like a Thursday afternoon club, which I imagine would have appealed to you at the time, uh, where they all they would all just after training on Thursday go and get completely slaughtered all afternoon, all night, sleep it off on Friday, and then play on Saturday. Yeah. you know, and there were a couple of players who I think were were teetotal who were who were indulged you know oh yeah. he's alright he's a good bloke he's not making I think Earl Barrett was one who didn't who didn't yeah, yeah, partake yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. They, no he's a good lad Earl you know and yeah, they spent yeah. the whole time talking about how much they liked him even though he wasn't there yeah. <laughs> but um and uh, you know the, well, that's, the, the that's, fem- I think fem- we've all know. done
0: that haven't we <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to get home I oh, love her so yeah. much <laughs> oh
1: I love Earl Barrett yeah but um the um uh, I, I met him once at, at that cricket thing of yours he's a very nice chap but um the uh, Man United team of, the, of that of the sort of eighties, oh, the Brian God. Robson and Paul McGrath and the Ron Atkinson sort of era, yeah. were were incredibly sort of. Um Boozy, weren't they? And it was, a, and it's like a bonding thing in, in yeah. those days, oh, in
0: absolutely. old days. Yeah, I just wanted to qu- quickly before before we take a break, uh, mention when we were talking about bad behaviour. Juan bissaka at uh, Manchester United's had his license taken off him um for speeding so many times, and the reason he says is because he would left his agents in charge of his post, right? Oh. And his agent <laughs> hadn't told him, so he therefore no. he didn't even know he was banned. Never mind the fact he had no insurance. Oh. He, wants is, a, he
1: wants to get a transfer, then he'll be able to drive.
0: Only. That's exactly the Carlton Palmer thing, but it, it did remind me of another story, uh, which is uh, about players, you know, needing people to, to be there to help them. Which was about Marco Anautovich, who was <laughs> who phoned up uh, the player liaison person at Stoke City uh, one June day when she's <laughs> just about to enjoy a holiday and says, <laughs> um, "Hello, I'm I'm in a queue at Palmer Airport." Right okay okay Marco right well yeah what do you want me to do? well I don't want to be in a queue in Palmer Airport. I've got all my friends with me. We don't want to be queuing in Palmer Airport. yeah, well you've you've gone to Palmer on holiday presumably, haven't you? Yes, but I don't want to be queuing in an airport. Can you do something about it? Can you (laughs) hire me a private jet? (laughs) And she said, no, not in the height of the holiday season. I don't think so. No, I don't think so, Marco. Anyway, we're (laughs) going to have to leave it there um, because we need to take a break and then we're going to come back with our wonderful guest. Midday on Thursday the 23rd of December as we record this and our guest today has already completed a live show. He's also the voice of Radio 4 topical satire and he's currently in Australia scoring, researching, entertaining and generally providing a silver lining to England's hitherto dismal attempt to reclaim the ashes. And his football team have the best fanzine name in the world ever, and that's official. We are delighted to welcome the ridiculously (laughs) talented, the funny, and the lovely... Andy Zaltzman Mr Zaltzman
2: hey. <laughs> Hello Nick Hello Chris uh, thank, Thanks for having me Hi, That's yeah. about the nicest intro I've ever had for anything <laughs> to say. Well, well that you. just
0: makes The heart grow fond And you're about as far away As you could possibly
2: be <laughs> <laughs> Yes yeah, Without leaving the planet Yes.
0: Uh, so Andy's clearly In, in Australia um, So the, obviously The time difference Is part of the reason You've already done a gig How, do, how did the gig go? Oh,
2: it, was, it was good Yes uh, <laughs> People laughed In mostly the right places Good so, yeah. Oh
0: that's very Very pleasing to hear very, very <laughs> pleased do yep. I know that Chris wanted to ask you to go and flush the toilet. We all want to ask that. When people are in Australia, like Chris says, you're just fascinated by the time difference all the time. But what day is yes. it?
2: <laughs> what day is it? I've slightly lost track of that. I know it's um, approximately three days until England get start getting thrashed again in uh, in the ashes. So I I, I I don't really use traditional days anymore. I just count down to the next. Yes. Uh, aching humiliation
1: do you, uh, yeah do you just live in the moment you just have to live in the moment yeah. don't you and then the yeah. despair will <laughs> find you so, it's yeah, a, that's what sport's all about it's, so
0: in your brain it's like that countdown yeah. to the transfer window ending isn't it and that's when you that's yes. when the next yeah, thing yeah. is going to happen so obviously we, we should make it clear you're out there working for Test Match Special which do you know every time I hear you on Test Match Special I'm so pleased for you because I know what a <laughs> fantastic you. job it must be for you I mean I love my cricket but yes. nothing like you and, and and the idea that, that some way, circuitously and brilliantly, you've ended up in the Test Match special team, it makes me so happy. It really, really does. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it makes
2: me pretty happy as well, to be honest. So it's a kind of proper childhood uh, yeah. dream albeit I was quite a weird child obsessed with cricket statistics so um, yeah, there's not many openings in the, yeah, in the was, work world Bill Frindle felt safe for many years <laughs> many years yeah well and, then, and, and uh, yes, yes funny enough
0: I once I once scored one ball in Bill Frindle's scorebook for him in an Ooh. England game which is wow. quite yes I did that's quite, did quite right. a, a, a a privilege really and, and of course you, you've also got Dan Norcross there who's in a similar situation of being uh, well I don't know if he's over there with you but uh, he's a pig he's not no, he's a pig in shit as well isn't he when he's when he's doing <laughs> dms <laughs> yes
2: yes he might be even more obsessed with cricket than i am which is really saying something but um yeah he's uh um, and we first met, met on his test match sofa which you know he set up um I don't know, uh, about 12 13 years ago to provide alternative commentary and now he and i and quite a few other people who who uh, appeared intermittently on Test Match Sofa have ended up on 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 TMS. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of curious.
1: Yeah, I was on that Test Match Sofa, <laughs> and I still haven't had the call. Oh, so. a matter of yeah. time, Chris.
2: Matter of time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> time. Well, Commentators <laughs> and, and people uh, com- uh, 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 offering uh, analysis on cricket are dropping like flies at the moment, Chris. So you've quite <laughs> a strong chance. <laughs>
1: uh, they are. Yeah, that, that's true. Hey, um, now start the car. <laughs> See, I can tell. Oh, there's a gap. There's me, a vacancy. Fec- <laughs> That's a bit of a shame, isn't it? That our poor old Bumble's career. That's a that's a big loss, I think, to the to the world. To the world of sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Yes he's uh, uh,
2: yeah, I mean he's been, I guess, part of the cricketing furniture in various guises in England for well, over fifty uh, years from yeah. his playing it's, career and, onwards. Well, so umpiring, yeah, so. yeah,
0: coaching—it's yeah. incredible all the things he's done.
1: Yeah, I remember going to a Test match in nineteen seventy-seven, Ashes Test match at Old Trafford. Went with my friend Steve. Uh, we were, you know, we were just uh, school kids at the time. And we went and uh, we got there stupidly early. You know, wanting not to miss anything. You know, and uh, before the game started, all the Australians were in the nets, and you could go around and you could go around and watch the watch the nets. And uh, we noticed that standing next to us was uh, was David Lloyd and um, taking notes on all the on all the batsmen. He wasn't in the team. He wasn't involved in the. He was just so obsessed with <laughs> with with knowing everything yeah. that he was just taking notes on the. Uh, on the uh, on the Australian yeah. players The other thing I remember Is that someone Threw a ball back To Craig Sargent The batsman Craig Sargent yeah. Who's in the net The ball came running out uh, Someone threw the ba- a ball Back to him He didn't see And it hit him on the oh, head right. And I remember him I remember him going Fuck <laughs> you Like that <laughs> Just really yeah. you know, out what, of the out of the happy uh, days. It's wonderful yeah. to have memories Completely. like
0: that, isn't it? To, yeah. to you know, to, to carry through. <laughs>
2: yeah, people suffering <laughs> cranial trauma yeah. for others' entertainment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's
1: now, slapstick. I, I, I did, I did
0: slapstick. allude to uh, your football team, um, Andy, and uh, and and the name of of, of the fan team, which no doubt you will tell us. Um, but I'd love to know why it is that you. Well, can you tell us who you support, and and, and then we we'll go from there. I mean support. Might be,
2: oh, I think I'm a sort of lapsed supporter of uh, of Gillingham. The fanzine you refer to is uh, Brian Moore's head looks uncannily like the London Planetarium. Yes. Which is, as you say, <laughs> one of the great literary titles it of all is, time. It is. Uh, and I'm sure, yeah. you know, if Proust had thought of it rather than A La recherche du Tom Perdue, we'd have gone yeah. with that. Yeah, and we'd still be talking about <laughs> it now, wouldn't I <laughs> you <know>. But um, <laughs> I went, I went um, very enthusiastically for a few years in the 90s and then um yeah you I know, was uh, a skint student uh, living uh, f- uh, away from from the area and got out of the habit and now I, then I married someone who's not really into football and so I've become very very laxed. why uh, well, <laughs> well I got, she's enough into cricket and I thought you know that'll, that'll do yeah absolutely. Um, that's, so okay. I mean, in
0: many ways andy and and, 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 and I don't like to, to use this particular cBk but you you were a glory hunter because these were Gillingham's glory years were they not
2: no 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 uh, absolutely not. No, I was a foul weather fan. Nick. Oh. <laughs> I, I I supported them before the glory days when they got up into the championship. Ah. Um, it was when they were bumbling. I mean, the first season I went, they ended up in a in a tense relegation decider with Halifax Town on the penultimate weekend of the season, ah. and um, ah, it was yeah. pretty much loser goes down because Gillingham's final game was away, and they hadn't. I think they hadn't won away all season, and uh, it was a glorious two nil win. Uh, Tony Eels, who from memory n- never kicked a ball with his left foot, slapped one in off the crossbar with his left peg. Yeah. And then Paul Baker, mm-hmm. who was not a player who you you know went to the game expecting to see moments of sublime skill. He was very much not the Lionel Messi of Kent at the time. <laughs> uh, he got, got the ball about 30 yards out, uh, sort of turned a defender and then chipped it into the top corner and... There's footage of this on YouTube. It's not my memory playing tricks <laughs> with me. It was an absolutely incredible yeah. goal. And that um, that kept jilling him up. And that was, um, that was, it's mean, still one of my favorite sporting memories, even though I've not, you know, I haven't been regularly for well over 20 years. I'm not, I, I can't remember the last time I went to the Priestfield was about 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, but I still, but even though I've so. I still went on Saturday afternoons. I still listen out for the score, even though I don't really yeah, yeah, yeah. know who any of the yeah, players yeah, are anymore. Yeah, yeah. So you can't really you can't really shift it, can yeah, you? No, absolutely
1: not. Well, so yeah, Gillian were then where we are now, then down the, the, yes. down among the dead men, the, the bottom it's two. It's much the, the purest uh, form of, of
2: division. Purest four. form of football, Chris, and uh, you yeah, know, sure you appreciate well, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, all you can hope for really in that situation is to be where you were in back in ninety two, yeah. ninety three, where where you've got a game to uh, To stay up and you win it, you know. And I'm sure that I'm sure if you ask, is it, it was Carlisle, yes. wasn't it, where Jimmy Glass saved them, yeah. up, kept them up. And, uh, I'm sure that uh, you know if you ask Carlisle fans, that's more of a moment for them than or, or they, they anything have else a... that they've done. Probably is, and it was, and it was. They were the the second worst team in the league at the time. You the have a statue ones, to
0: Jimmy Glass outside the ground, <laughs> and it, yeah, they <laughs> absolutely, absolutely do. And he was also. <laughs> what's it? What's it made of? Stone, and he <laughs> ice capture. and he was on loan as well, wasn't he at the time? So he's a loan player was, statue yes, outside the yes. yes, ground.
2: Says, says a great deal. There him. can't be many of them in in the world, can there? Statues of loan players. There can't be I've, many. I'm very much. I'm very
0: much doubting statues of
1: loan players. <laughs> no, well no, because you know that's that's that such as the intensity of that of that moment, you know, and that 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 will have overwritten any of their because they were promoted, weren't they, in the seventies up to Division One for one lone season. Uh, yeah, of yeah it, they beat Chelsea two 0 on the really. first game at for
0: Bridge, if I remember right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, but still the you know, the greatest moment in their history is the is the lone player on <laughs> lone goalkeeper scores yeah. a goal to well, keep um,
0: them um, in the league. One link. of the big uh, the big probably the biggest thing <laughs> he would like to think about, Gillingham, is of course Paul Scally, the um, uh, the the Maverick uh, ah. owner, who who today, only today, as I woke up at six, I mean, it didn't happen at six o'clock, has uh, said he's in talks with credible people over investment and maybe looking to sell the club. Right. He's been speaking to people in Dubai. I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing, but Paul Scally, <laughs> who's a, a very a very interesting character. <laughs>
1: I think it's where he lives, isn't it? I mean, he's probably just been talking to well, people it, at the bus. He's an interesting man, isn't he, Paul
0: Scully? Because he banned the Kent Messenger group uh, from the ground uh, for saying something bad about his wife. He, When they got promoted out of League Two, the fourth division, really, um, um, he registered himself as a player and wanted to play in the last game of the season. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that, Andy?
2: Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I think, I mean, I'd like to see more of that in... Uh in football yeah, and it's yeah. one of the when you watch american sports it always baffles me is the super bowl the world series it's not the captain of the team that gets to lift the trophy it's the owner of the club yeah. and i think a lot of owners of yeah. football clubs in the UK, would like that tradition to tr- to move across the Atlantic, particularly. I mean, it must be a bit uh, confusing. Uh, There's only really the... if you're say the Glazers and you've yeah. bought yeah. Manchester United, and they, you know, hypothetically yeah. win a, win a trophy, and they're not allowed to. Well, if you're an American sports owner, that must be a bit confusing. It was the thing once
1: yeah, they brought the Leicester owner onto the pitch after the Cup Final last year, that, oh, last season, and uh, he looked a bit sheepish about it. But they love yeah. them there, that family, don't they? There, and they, it, it, I think that's that's the exception that would prove the rule. I think, right? I
0: think the problem with doing that for the for the Glazers and John Henry and 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 um, um, uh, Muhammad bin Salman and people like that would be be very little chance they'd actually be at the game, so so that wouldn't really really work. What would what would Muhammad bin
1: Salman be though? You know, a stopper. Oh, no, I'm not Maybe suggesting he played. <laughs> I am suggesting he should play. Yeah. I am suggesting that too. Yeah, I think that uh, I'd love it if if the older owner came on and played him. He'd just get the shit well, kicked out of him. By his own you've
0: team. got to think. I know, you know. I don't want to to st- to step into the world of cliché. Oh yes, I do a little bit. But if he was yeah, to wear on. traditional Arab dress and went in goal, yeah, it would reduce the chance of a ball going between his legs, wouldn't it? Of him being mixed. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, wh- yeah. I wonder if that's allowed. I rather doubt it. High, somehow
2: high performance sportswear. It's those key one percent <laughs> people are looking. For, I think it.
0: we're m- We're moving
1: towards a place where he'll be allowed to do
2: whatever he wants.
1: Yes, well,
0: I think he already is in that position, (laughs) isn't he? Um, So just talk to us a a little bit about about the Ashes, how things are going, how the reaction has been um, by the Australians. I I actually went out there for the last Ashes and was amazed by how it seemed. They seemed quite indifferent to it compared with how our fans are. I think there's been a, a bit of
2: a problem in really the last 30 years that they're there hasn't really been a close Ashes series in Australia. Um, even the one England won, they, but it was sort of close in the first three tests, but then the last two tests were absolute blowouts. And in fact, I mean, the two tests that were won before that were very one-sided. So there've not been very many good games yeah. in the Ashes in Australia in the last you know, thirty years uh, since the nineteen ninety ninety-one series when England lost lost three nil. Um, this is the seventh time out of those nine series that England have been two nil down after two, and in one of the other two they were saved by rain in the first test and would have been two nil down after two otherwise. So I think I wonder if it's partly the fact that there just haven't been those sort of gripping contests and, and, and narratives that draw people in. Yeah. Um, in the way that we've had, you know, sufficient good series in England uh, that you know the that Australia in England are, you know they England have won more series than Australia in recent years but they've the gulf between the teams has not often been that big whereas when England have gone to Australia it's often been ridiculously close yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: and they've had such good series with with India haven't they in Australia uh, yes. they've, they've had some really Really close series with India, and And that must. Does that feel that feel like you know the the top of the table
2: clash? Well, I think that's certainly the con. I mean, yeah, that is a contest that does draw people in. The last three series between India and Australia in Australia have been really good and quite close, and India's won the last two. I mean, the series at the start of this year was absolutely fantastic, incredible, um, and very dramatic. But the Ashes has really lacked that, and and for England to compete in the Ashes. Uh, this time they sort of needed to get absolutely everything right, given that in these in Australian conditions, England's not as good as Australia, and therefore they needed to sort of get everything that they could control right from you know, decision-making, selection and fielding. And thus far, I think it's fair to say they've got a lot of things quite badly wrong. And so the, the gap between <laughs> the teams uh, has been uh, exacerbated. Also, I mean, Australia's not played a lot of cricket but I think there's also an element in which they are rather than being rusty they they're fresh and the sen- the sense that you know cricketers on the modern international treadmill very rarely get a long break and uh, and England has played more during the last two years um, than any other team and you know maybe their players are more exhausted less mentally fresh I don't know but yeah. I think that could be a factor. But.
0: Yeah. Well, theres I mean, there's a lot of talk about being undercooked, but it possibly overcooked is, is the deal. Yes.
1: Uh, well, the rusty, fresh balance is, is constantly. <laughs> yes.
2: That was a band you were in <laughs> at problem. university, I think, wasn't it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. yeah like so. <laughs> Rusty he was a good lad. I
2: Still in touch. But they managed to be both <laughs> undercooked and overcooked simultaneously, like a you know, like a horrific barbecue yeah. sausage. Well,
0: yes, like a badly defrosted turkey. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> As we yes, shall discover very, very yeah. soon. No, I, but I found it. I did find it interesting. I mean, I think because in England, even in the nineties, when we knew we were going to get absolutely creamed by nearly everybody, I have to say. When then and then South yeah. Africa came back into international sport, and we got creamed by them. So. <laughs> And you got you used to have people like Jimmy Adams and and Chanda Paul and and Greg Smith and Mark Taylor and all of them could seemingly score hundreds at will against us. <laughs> um, uh, but still, the crowds would turn up in that sort of that sort of a spirit of the Blitz again um, uh, yes. English way. Whereas when I went, when I went, I was really shocked. At- Two reasons. One, I was really annoyed because the first time I'd ever been to the Ashes and I thought, well, obviously it's going to be like in England and bought a load of tickets on Zoopla for a lot of money for <laughs> each of the days and then got there to find you know, that there was about 10% of the crowd there. and, and yeah, The gates yeah, were open and they were waving yeah. in passers-by. <laughs> so that was quite annoying. Um, but the other thing was I was just amazed how yeah, people would – I don't know whether you noticed this, and obviously you're in a rarefied position where you are, but – People would strange enough pop in for an hour. You know. Right, or, or yeah. Then have a break mm. from work to pop in. it's in Perth, <laughs> certainly. But the thing about Perth and Melbourne and all these grounds, they they're pretty pretty central to the to yeah, the city, yeah. aren't they? And it is kind of possible to do that. In fact, you could probably share a ticket with somebody at work, you know, and have a couple of hours each. Um yes. but it certainly well, has a different feel. It does, and and
2: um yeah, I mean I think it's a problem in sport generally that – fewer and fewer stadiums are in places. And, yeah, certainly, I mean, Melbourne is you know, a 20-minute walk from the, the centre of the city, Adelaide even closer. Sydney's Sydney's pretty close. I've not been to to Perth and Brisbane. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, these grounds do feel a part of the city and they're often in, you know, sporting areas. There's the, the tennis, uh, uh, the Australian Open site right next to the, the MCG. There's a big football stadium there now. As well, Adelaide has a, a a tennis court. They have a tournament, I think, in the build-up to the Australian Open. So all these places feel like, and in Sydney there's a huge um, stadium right next to the the SCG uh, that um, I think uh, I think they use for a rugby league. Um, but yeah, so these places feel like sport is baked into the heart of cities. Yeah. Um, in the way that you know, old football stadiums used to be in this country before they all started getting moved out to. Uh, industrial parks on the outskirts of towns by motorway junctions and and i think sports lost a lot from that uh and it's sort of lost a bit of connection with um kind of real life in in some ways and it's become a, almost a hermetically sealed commodity of its own and yeah. and that's just one of the yeah. nice things about cricket here that it is, does still feel part of the life of the cities that it takes place in.
0: And, and it absolutely isn't accidental. I mean, uh, my a dear friend of mine, Paul Sargent, who used to be the chief exec at Wembley and then at at, uh, um, at the Millennium, moved out to Australia. And, and, you know, that's basically what he does. He runs Stadia. Um, he's a lad from Stoke, I've known him for years and years and years. And uh, he said, you know, th- that, that, this is a conscious thing. Uh, it, it started by chance in the way that we had it. But after that, they. If they were building a new stadium, they would build it as near to the centre as possible, which they have done, of course, in Perth. They've recently built a, a new yeah. stadium there. Haven't they? Even the race course in Melbourne's quite near the centre. It's it's as you say, it's baked in, into the whole way that, that it works. He's um he was telling me though that, that he found the COVID lockdown incredibly difficult in Australia, where of course you've got all the different states and 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 he he refers to Melbourne as being like the the biggest nanny uh, um, city in the world, and you, you, they're very, very, very strict. Um, I don't know whether you found any difficulties with that, and does that affect the crowds?
2: Um, well, I mean, there have been difficulties, as was sort of publicised during the Adelaide test, that that we in TMS couldn't do the last two days at the ground because of a, a COVID test in in the team um, and requiring us to be off site. Um, I I'm not, I'm not sure having I've, I've not been to test matches here before so I've got nothing really to compare it with um so yeah it's a bit it's a bit hard to say but I mean there's the same as everywhere there's that you know joy has been stripped from life by by covid and you know that's uh, applies to sport as much as anything else
0: yeah and do, do you get the sense? I don't know that you do. Uh, that uh, whether the Australian papers are interested or not. That they think there's a, such a shit show going on here that that we do over what has happened <laughs> with Boris and all that. I'm, I'm I'm doing you with your 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 news quiz head here of, <laughs> of, of, of keeping up yes. with 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 what, what people are thinking on the street, Andy. Yes. Well,
2: um, it's a bit hard to say on on the street um, at, at at the gigs I've been doing. And my 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 audience uh, is by no means an accurate reflection of the population as a whole, but there's there's quite a lot of unhappiness with the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison. But I I think they acknowledge that it could be worse whenever they look at what is happening in in the United Kingdom. So uh, I mean, we've got a bit bit of a cro- we can get a bit crocodile Dundee with them when it comes to inept prime ministers dealing badly with covid you know that that's not a knife this is a knife that's not a prime minister dealing with this badly this is a prime minister dealing <laughs> yeah. with this badly so yes um, and
0: and and also surely it's it's the it's the default um position of any australian to think ah oh, Thank God we're not in England, because you know, <laughs> an awful lot of them, uh, some of them didn't move there voluntarily, but an awful lot of them did, and it's very yes. much an expat a- attitude, isn't
1: it? A lot of them move there
0: for exactly that reason. Yes, to, 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 <laughs> to get out of the shit show. Yes, yes, a lot yeah. of
2: uh, life decisions are turning out to be quite good ones. Yes. so yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> But now we have to ask you the, the questions, what time is it out there?
2: What time is it now? Uh, it is now coming up to half past 11. Uh, P.M.
0: Oh. So, no. Yes. Oh, Is it? Nearly
2: my bedtime. Oh. Very nearly my <laughs> bedtime. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, I
0: was going to say, we should really let you go. But, uh...
1: <laughs> I wanted to ask sure. before you go... What um, uh, you know, you uh, you you were talking about um, uh, you know not having been to Jellica for a while, but you you you. Were, I know you as a as a, an avid armchair sport yes. fan of all of all the sport. Are you are you following the English football over there? Are you getting the Does the Premiership have a big deal with Australian television? Um, are you seeing?
2: It's on. Uh, I've not personally seen much of it, but it is. You do sit on in in bars, um, and yeah, it's quite big over it's here, really? um, and the impression I get from speaking to people is the A-League is not viewed as uh, an elite sporting competition in Australia. Um, But it gets reasonable (laughs) crowds, um, I think, and a reasonable amount of of press coverage. But, um, I mean...
1: And have you seen any... Sorry, have you seen any Aussie Rules football idea out there? Which is, uh, you know, a game, for those of you who don't know, a game traditionally played on a on like a cricket ground, only where a load of posts have been left over from other games, just <laughs> yes. dumped. Well, I think it, <laughs> I think it began
2: edge. when uh, people left cricket stumps in the pitch and found in the winter that they'd grown enormous. Um, grown. And uh, they invented a game <laughs> to deal with that. Uh, it's, it's not the season um, at the moment, but I have in the past been to Aussie Rules, and it's a rather captivating game live, partly because of the sheer size of the pitch. So it's 18 aside played on on cricket pitches, and Australian cricket pitches are generally much bigger surface area uh, than than English cricket pitches. So it has this kind of epic scope, but at the same time also involves a quite a lot of time, a load of um, people in sleeveless shirts scrabbling around on the ground for an odd-shaped ball. So it's a kind of mixture of epic and. Petty. <laughs> That's quite fun to watch. Um, but,
0: but, it, but it is it is quite interesting when you go to the MCG. That yes, there are, there are statues of the great cricketers there. But most of the statues, or certainly the ones most prominent, are of, of um, um, Australian football players, uh, Aussie Rules players. Yes, because uh, because most of the membership there are actually members because of that, are they not?
2: Uh, yes, and um, and I think I, I don't know what what clubs. Play there as their home ground, but I think a few clubs share share that. The Melbourne Demons, I think Hawthorne have it as their home ground as well, and it uh, gets you know, huge crowds um, in um, in the season. And uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, There's quite a lot of football statues outside the Adelaide Oval uh, as well. A few athletes outside the MCG. Also, I mean the the, the cricketing statues outside the MCG. The Shane Warne one's pretty good, although they've been. Uh, they've definitely gone with his waistline post-career rather than during his career in his statue. <laughs> uh, and the Dennis yes. Lilly sculpture is I think my favourite cricket sculpture. It kind of really captures the kind of athleticism of fast bowling in a way that some cricket yeah. statues don't really get to the essence uh of the I do like a bit of sporting sculpture.
0: Um and uh, so do I. Yeah. And there are some terrible ones, are they not as well. Yes. <laughs> Right, Andy, well, thank you so much for making time for us, and, and I hope your next uh, stand-up outing uh, in Australia goes well. I suggest that you promote it as to being uh, to do with Aussie rules, because then you'll have <laughs> more people there. Um, <laughs> um, yes. It's been brilliant that you've made time for us. Thank you so well, much. Thanks for having um, me. And we'll see you another time. Cheers, cheers. Good and uh, for any of our listeners, we are back next week. You know, we never stop. We, we We work and work and work, and of course don't get paid. But never mind about that, and we should apologise also for dropping the Obama Yang story entirely, uh, but of course that's very appropriate. And uh, remember, Sloping Pitch is now on Twitter. On Twitter at Sloping Pitch, that was easy, wasn't it? Um, any thoughts, reactions, job offers, uh, anything at all? We'd love to hear from you. Um, even letters of love and appreciation to Andy Zoltz, <laughs> especially those.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.